The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience, talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. On W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Good morning, Australia. Good evening, America. You're listening to Tony Lontis live on Radio Tony, and we have a wonderful guest for you today. But before I get to talk to the delightful Sharon, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her book and a little bit about her. So as you know, Radio Tony has been doing Spotlight on the authors for the last little while, and I keep finding these amazing authors who come to me to talk about their books. And so Sharon wrote a book back in 2017, and it's called Thriving Beyond Cancer, Hope, Understanding and Validation of the Cancer Journey. And did you know, each and every year, over 280,000 women in the United States alone are diagnosed with breast cancer. But what happens once the treatment is over? How do these women and families pick up the pieces of their lives after cancer treatment and move on? Sharon's book, Thriving Beyond Cancer, Hope, Understanding and Validation for the Cancer Survivor, fills the gap between survivor stories and positive psychology. It gives the reader the emotional validation they need and a roadmap to their life beyond cancer. When the doctor dismisses a patient after months of close scrutiny and says, see you in three months, it feels as if the medical rug has been yanked out from under your feet. There's little or no conversation about the time after treatment and even less written about this precarious time. How does the patient cope during this void? Some worry obsessively about their cancer returning. Others wallow in unprocessed guilt and grief. They feel alone and afraid. Women are living longer than even than ever after having cancer, yet many find that their lives are ill-fitting and dissatisfying. These women have glimpsed their mortality, which directly affects their life's trajectory and priorities. These are heavy topics, but they are spun in a warm and loving way with concrete suggestions on how to move past the craziness while validating your feelings with survivor stories and quotes. This wonderful book addresses the fear of recurrence, the anger, the ageing effects, chemically induced menopause and issues with family and friends. 
There is a conversation around the lasting nature of treatment side effects and how to deal with them physically and emotionally while encouraging survivors to create a plan that reaches future dreams. It also talks about advanced disease, everyone's nightmare, demystifying and bringing hope to those managing the chronic side of cancer. Breast cancer is a popular topic, but this fresh and timely approach to survivorship will become a must-have in the world of cancer. It will give you hope and the tools women need everywhere after cancer. The topic is relevant and important to any woman going through treatment or having finished treatment and for those that are in their lives. So this morning, wonderful people, we are talking to Sharon Hennefit, and she is a 26-year breast cancer survivor, and she uses her experience to demonstrate compassion, thoughtfulness, and caring for women whose lives have been touched by this horrible disease. She co-founded Breast Friends in 2000, a non-profit organization where she created many innovative programs serving women across America experiencing cancer. She has facilitated workshops and retreats around positive self-worth and thriving beyond cancer. She has also enjoyed co-hosting The Voice of America, an internet radio show for three years to educate and inspire people on the people on the subject of cancer. She is a certified professional life coach who helps women to live their best lives. Um, We've already talked about her amazing book, which is available on Amazon. And for those listeners today, I'm going to put that link in there for you to her book on Amazon. Her latest passion is Breast Advocates International, a non-for-profit to educate women advocates to encourage the early detection of breast cancer to reduce mortality in underserved communities. In her spare time, Sharon loves to travel and take photos here in the States and in other countries. And this morning, Sharon joins us live from her fifth wheeler somewhere in California. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning and good afternoon. (laughs) This is great. Thank you so much for having me. What an absolute delight to connect with you and be able to have you on Radio Tony. Um, There is a lot of breast cancer in our society and we often, you're completely correct, that we don't often talk about the after effects. We are all pretty focused on the diagnosis and getting through treatment and some of the lasting effects of cancer on women in particular are less talked about. So I thought today we'd start by uh, discussing your diagnosis and, and when that happened and what that was like for you and your family. Okay, I'd be happy to share that information. So I had just turned 40 years old. I had three kids at home and I felt my own lump. And all of a sudden I'm like, "Uh oh, what's that? That doesn't feel right. And I poked at it for a couple of days. And then after a few days, I went to the doctor and I remember laying on the exam table, looking straight into his eyes and his words were, oh, it's probably nothing, but let's get it out of there just to make sure. And I remember looking up into his eyes going, oh, no, I'm in deep trouble. I could tell just from looking into his eyes. 
And yeah. so that was a Tuesday. The following Tuesday, I had the lump removed, yeah. came back that it was, in fact, breast cancer. And a week later, so the following Tuesday, I had a mastectomy because it didn't oh. have clean margins. And yeah. so I went ahead and had the mastectomy. Yeah. Shortly after that, I ended up in uh, chemotherapy for six months. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's quite a ride for any woman yeah. who's gone through it. They, they know no matter how serious it is, or yeah. if you, if you caught it really early, it, yeah. it's still a really horrible ride that you have to go through. And, and uh, yeah. And there's that when you find a lump or, or an abnormalities, there's, there's immediately begins that bargaining with yourself. Oh, it's just it's just a, a thickening. Oh, it's just this. Oh, I'll just leave it a couple of days. But part of what I hear from talking to women across the world is that you need to take those lumps and bumps seriously. Right. Don't delay it. Don't yeah. be fearful of the outcome. Get in there, get to your doctor and find out what exactly is going on. Because um, for some women, they may detect a change really, really early. But for other women, it's not so early. So time becomes really important, doesn't it, Sharon? Absolutely. Absolutely. The sooner that you find it and it is diagnosed, even though it's not a fun thing to go through, uh, mm. it's, it's worse as it gets worse. And you, yes. can, you can save your life literally by by acting on it quickly you certainly can because um our medical knowledge and understanding has has come such a long way and for many people uh cancer diagnosis is not a death sentence and so if you keep that in the back of your mind and think well uh this might just for some women it's just a lumpectomy it's just a lump out of your breast and that's all that's all. For others, there's a varying level of journey. So I want to go back to that time when you, um, after your mastectomy, because mastectomy for those people, for you, if you're listening, mastectomy is quite a big deal. It's a big surgery and it's a painful surgery, isn't it, Sharon? It can be a very painful surgery, yes. Um, I ended up having immediate reconstruction in that I had the inflators placed so they could um, pump that side up to eventually match the natural breast. And so then I had to have a surgery after that to take out that piece and and replace it with the permanent implant. And all of that is is very uncomfortable, but it's certainly doable. And um, at least from the outside, you look normal. Unfortunately, and- when you take your breast away, and eventually I ended up having the other one done as well. So I have a matching set of nothing right now. <laughs> but, but, uh, but at the same time, it's, um, it, it affects your self-esteem, Definitely. your self-worth, how, how you, you know, view things in the world. And, and so it, it, 
it is a big deal. Even, you know, mm. even when you say, oh, it could be just a lumpectomy. Honestly, with a that's lumpectomy and, and radiation, even that's enough to disfigure your breasts. And, and so it can, again, influence how you look at yourself, how your partner looks at you. Um, and and, and it can feel as a woman, Sharon. Yeah, because, exactly. You know, that the breasts are so much part of, of who we are. And even if they're never, they're never perfectly, particularly after you've had children, but they're part of you. And once part of you is gone, that's a whole journey within itself. It is. It, it really affects your sexuality, your sensuality, your femininity, everything. Yes, yes. So you had the mastectomy and the reconstructive surgery, and then you went straight into chemo? Yes. Yeah, so it was about a month later after after the inflator had been placed. So I went through the inflation process uh, while I was doing chemo. And then when I was finished with chemo, then I went ahead and had the, the final implant put in. Yeah. And how was your experience with chemo? So for many people, that's even just the chemo part of uh, a cancer diagnosis is different for everyone. So how did you cope with it? Um, chemo, I think, uh, I think the thought of chemo is almost the scariest part, uh-huh. <laughs> honestly, just the yeah. fact that, oh my gosh, am I going to have to do chemo? And then yes, the answer is yes, you are going to, for whatever reason, because there's so many different reasons why yes. we, why we do chemo. But <clears throat> when it is decided that yes, you are a good candidate for chemo. You have to do a lot of mental gyrations, I would say, yes. to just kind of get your head wrapped around what exactly that means. You're, you're putting a poison into your body that's supposed to be killing this thing that is trying to kill you. Yeah. And it, it's quite a, you know, you kind of have to think about it from a completely different place. Um and it does make you not feel so good. So, you know, some oh, people are just about very to ask sick. you what was your yeah. experience. Um, I, you can get incredibly ill and, and feel worse than you've ever felt in your entire life. Most of the time, it's not like you imagine. It's not as yes. bad as you imagine. Thank goodness. Um, it's yes. not like it's on TV. Yeah. But at the same time, um, because they have anti-nausea drugs, they have things yes. to combat the, the problems that many of us have when you go through that, it's still no picnic. Um, <clears throat> and you kind of, ha- in my case, I had kind of an underlying blah the whole time. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you, how did it how did it affect you both physically and mentally? Did, did you have the... The horrible nausea? Uh, I had kind of an underlying nausea pretty much the uh-huh. whole time. I had a, uh-huh. a pretty old regiment because, again, yeah. I'm 26, almost 26, 27 years out. Um, Which is incredible, <clears throat> isn't it, Shannon? It? Isn't that amazing that it I'm is. speaking to yeah. someone who had that diagnosis and is still here with us, thriving and living life 27 years later? That's pretty cool, hey? 
Well, and again, it, it, I think it's a huge message to people who are just yes. going through it. Because yeah. when you're going through it, it feels like you're not going to get through it. It really does at times. Yeah. You'll, you'll have your good days and your bad days. But generally speaking, you know, we try to pull our big girl panties on and just kind of yeah. get through the day. But, you know, at two o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep and your head yeah. is spinning, you're worried yeah. about Am I going to really make it? Yeah, yeah. Because you we don't, don't know. know. You don't yeah. know. You don't know how your body's going to react. You don't know uh, how it's all going to turn out. And and how does that uh, experience when you were going through chemo? How did the family and the kids cope with that? Um, I think my kids were especially protective. Um, yeah. And uh, my husband was a kind of a joker at the time and so he would go to chemo with me and he would entertain the nurses <laughs> I, I think oh yay how, I think he <laughs> I think that's kind of how he was able to cope with it you know um but you know everybody goes through it uh the whole entire family really goes through it with you yes yes and unfortunately, sometimes the people that are the closest to you are the most paralyzed. They don't really know what to do. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons we started Breast Friends was yes. because friends and family would say things like, oh, call me if you need something. Well, uh -huh. I don't know about in Australia, but I know American women are very bad <laughs> at asking for help for themselves. I think it's probably a uh, gender thing, but yeah, I would agree. <laughs> but we girls, same... we just we just soldier on no matter what, we and do. are unlikely to ask for help. <laughs> exactly, and I know that can be you know troublesome because the yeah. reality is we do need help of all the oh, times in our life we yeah. really do need help in this environment and um you know whether it's help with meals or taking kids to soccer or yes. you know doing whatever we we need help and so yeah. for people to say call me if you need something that's not very helpful so no. to say things like okay I'll i make the kids to Exactly. Being proactive. You know, yeah. I'm I'm making a big pot of spaghetti tonight and it's you know, take us forever to eat it. I'd love to give you part of it. When can yeah. I bring it over? Yes. Right. Yes. You almost have to do it like a sales technique, you know, <laughs> rather than giving them the opportunity to say no. Tell them, you know, is five or six better? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but. So Sharon, how old were your kids when, when you went through this? My youngest was nine. Oh. So then that would make my next one uh, four years older. So 13 yep. and 15. Yeah. Oh, so challenging. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It was. But, you know, the, there's blessings in everything. And as That's much it. as, you know, as much as uh, it was a tough time, uh, I'm, I was a working mom, so I spent, mm. you know, eight, nine hours at work every day. So all of a sudden yeah. I was at home with my kids part of that time. Yeah. And so I was able to, um, be with them more than I would have been had I been working. So yeah. again, you got to look and for sure, the blessing. What were you doing at that time of diagnosis? What was your work? I was in uh, sales, um, yeah. 
Remember the old yellow pages? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Yes, they're, I do. They're dinosaurs now, but I was one of the salespeople, sales ma- oh. sales managers, you know, yes. in in that industry many years ago. Yes. So, so a pretty full on job as well. Oh yeah. Goodness. So, you had this diagnosis, and you went on to found Breast Friends in uh, two thousand. Can you tell us about that process and what your dream for Breast Friends was then? Sure, I'll be happy to. So, <clears throat> so a girlfriend of mine, uh, Becky, she was diagnosed three years after I was. Yes. And I remember there were times when I was home alone because, again, I was off work for 11 months while I was going through chemo and all these surgeries and everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. And <clears throat> I would have people say, Oh, call me if you need something. And of course I would say, okay. And I never did. Never so did. I, <laughs> I never did. So I found myself actually really lonely, really in a bad place at times because uh-huh. um, all my, all my support system was really at the office and yeah. I wasn't at the office. So, yeah. so um, three years later, my friend Becky was also diagnosed. She and I worked oh. together. And so she and I knew, or I knew what, what she was going to be going through firsthand. So I knew that this loneliness, this isolation you feel when you're going through all of this was not going to work for her. So I just did a few little things. I sent emails out with her permission saying, here's her address. Here's her phone number. Here's her email. Um, you know, this is how you get a hold of her, you know, encouraging people to stay in touch and all that. And it's amazing. Just those little things made a big difference. So fast fast forward a couple years later, Uh she had another scare. Oh, yeah. And so we went to the doc. I went to the doctor with her and we were waiting for the results of this biopsy of this weird little lump she had. And of course, our worst fear was that it was, you know, coming back. And uh, luckily it had not. It was uh, like a fatty tumor thing that was yes. nothing. Yeah. And uh, over that lunch, though, we had a conversation that changed both of our lives and we the birth of breast friends happened right over that lunch we decided what was missing with the uh, breast cancer world at that time yes was teaching the friends and family how best to support the woman who is going through her cancer as well as offering emotional support for that woman, whether it was one-on-one or with workshops or groups, however that might look. Uh-huh. And so that's what we did. We pulled this together and we, t- we it was really funny because yes. Becky and I, even though we worked very closely together for the first year, like Every week we would check in with each other and make sure we were moving forward and getting everything we needed to get done. We had our very first event and Becky was talking to a group of people on one side and I'm talking to a group of people on the other side. And my boyfriend at the time uh, was sitting behind us folding 
brochures that were hot off our home computer <laughs> and uh and he's listening and not saying a word and at the end of the day he said do you realize that you and becky are actually saying two different things um, well uh, we never imagined that because we again we'd been working so closely and working on this every week and all this well come to find out because Becky was the patient that yes. was supported. Yes. She wanted she her thing was to really make sure that the friends and family were well educated. So yes. another woman didn't have you know go through what yes. I went through cuz yes. she was kind of my one of those friends that felt guilty because she didn't step up when she kind of uh -huh. got it herself yes. okay. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but she's also the type of person where the bigger the audience the better you know she wants to get <laughs> on the stage and talk yeah. and what you know yeah. and I yeah. I'm a little more one-on-one -on -one and maybe yes. small group kind of thing so we were both talking about the same thing like the elephant but yeah. I was talking about one end and she was talking about the other <laughs> <laughs> but uh -huh. luckily Luckily, with that, we we understood that we both had a little different vision, but yes. at the same time, we were able to incorporate both of those. Oh, fantastic. And so, Breast Friends, uh, did that spread out across the U.S., and is it still going? Yes, it is still going, and we have had, ha have had affiliates in a couple of other states. Yes. Um, we did decide oh, a few years ago to pull back, and so we're yes. pretty much just a localized Oregon thing. But, of course, we still help people all over the United States because yes. of the Internet and everything. But yes. ha having affiliates was a little tricky for us, and so <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was better that we took took back our control <laughs> yes yes so breast friends is still going but you've essentially retired from it and you have a new passion I do I do I feel very very fortunate because you know it's one of those things be careful what you ask for when you're praying yeah. or <laughs> yeah because yeah. you might get it. Um, yeah. I, I I love to travel. I love, in fact, Australia's on my list, but I haven't made it yet. But I've been to. <laughs> well, um, you might have to wait just a little bit longer because our borders are still closed. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know <laughs> it, it's been crazy, hasn't it? Ugh. Hasn't been a strange year. Ugh, like very strange. Completely what I just yes I never expected it to turn out this way and who would have thought that um we would be talking about not being able to go to a country because their borders are still closed you know, know. it's so true crazy yeah yes yeah, sorry yeah. back to your love of travel oh that's okay so anyway I do love to travel and I because of all the work I've done with breast cancer for the last 20 yes. plus years, yeah. I, I felt like I needed to kind of stay in that. But at the same yes. time, um, the emotional toll of talking to patients day in and yes. day out, I, I was pretty done with that. So yeah. I uh, uh, a, fr a friend of mine who's an RN came to me and we had we had breakfast one day. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me just um, about this amazing thing she was doing. Yes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, 
but why are you telling me this uh, in, in, in so much detail? You know what I mean? Yes. It was like, yes. it was like so much detail. And yes. she said, because I want you to get involved. And I'm like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> and so this was her brainchild. And so what she has done, and this had been totally on her own dime. Uh, she had gone to several countries mm -hmm. and taught women how to be breast advocates, how mm -hmm. to use the navigation system um, mm -hmm. that they use with nursing mm -hmm. to get the barriers uh, broken down for getting a breast cancer diagnosis. So, mm -hmm. for instance, she's been to Malawi. Africa yes. twice. Yeah. And we were planning our trip in March, which of course, because of COVID, <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, we're hoping October, but again, that may not happen. Yeah. But at the same time, um, what what she had done was go to this country and it's like the one of the poorest countries in the world. Yes. Yes. And these women in these villages don't understand they they believe that they've been cursed if they uh -huh. get breast cancer because they yeah. still believe in voodoo yes. and and so they've done something bad to get breast cancer that sort of yeah. thing yeah so yeah. breaking down all of those myths teaching women to actually go into these small villages and they then can help do clinical breast exams with these women to find any anomalies. You don't even say cancer to these women. You just, you know, talk about breast lumps. Okay. Um, and, <clears throat> and then be able to, if you find an anomaly, then you can then get this these people into the system so they can get a biopsy and potentially a mastectomy if they are found positive. Yeah. Um, and what about the level of healthcare in those underdeveloped countries? So if they do find a lump, do they still follow the process of going to a doctor, getting diagnosed and then on to surgery? Like how does that work for them? Um, yes, but um, because when you're talking about a village, yes. that's maybe, you know, several miles yeah. away from the main city yes. where the healthcare really is, yes. trying to get that person who doesn't have a car, they don't right. have transportation to get there, they yeah. don't have the money to, to yeah. get a biopsy, and yeah. in U.S. dollars, a biopsy is $10. Yeah, yeah. But that might be a month's worth of wages for them. Yeah, true, true, true. Right? So, you know, when you're making decisions about feeding your family versus yeah. getting care for yourself, yeah. obviously, sometimes the health care goes down the tube. Yes, and, and that's a common situation for women with uh, families to make that sort of decision, um, feed the family over my own health. So yeah, Breast Advocates yeah. in International, you have a fundraising component that helps you with that work, Sharon? Yes, we're, we're trying to um, 
get that really going. We've only really had our nonprofit status for a little over a year. So last so relatively new, but yes, we are definitely set up to take donations and we would love that. So going to breastadvocates.org is our website. Yes, and, and I a- just put it up on the chat box oh, for listeners so, so they could thank see. You. Yeah, I thought that was really yeah. important to do that. Um, it's breastadvocatesinternational.org for those listening and not close to uh, the chat box. And so what countries do you predominantly go to and what sort of plans do you have for the future of Breast Advocates International, Sharon? Well, we've been invited <clears throat> to, I. it's between 8 and 12, I can't remember yes. exactly the number yes. of places, and so South America, um, yes. Af- Af- many different places in Africa, yes. um, we've been to Haiti, um, yes. I'm hoping we'll go back there, um, because it was like right at that earthquake time, so yes. it was not, not a good time. <laughs> to actually get anything accomplished. So so we, we really have a lot of wonderful plans. Our hope is to scale uh, Breast Advocates International. So we'll have many teams going to many countries. That is our hope in the near future. Yeah. And so the process is that you just, do you, how do you go about finding the villages? And once you find a village, how's the process for getting in there and talking to the women? So you have to work with, of course, their government, yes. their, uh, the World Health Organization, yes. and in Malawi's situation, and will be in many others, is we're also working with the uh, Catholic Women's Association. Okay. So there's usually a religious component, a government component, and a health okay. component. Yeah, all of those, they all need to work together (laughs) and invite you to the country. And, you know, so there's a lot, there's a lot to it. But um, again, Melissa was able to do all of this stuff on her own. And so now we're just putting all of the, the structure around it so we can do it on a bigger scale. Yeah. And so then you'll travel to those countries with Melissa and do some of that work and that will get you into Africa and South America and, yes. and all over, provided it's still safe to travel. Right. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that is are we, are we right ever now. going to be able to travel again, Sharon, I would be sure my question. So. <laughs> I, yes, I'm a travel yeah. person, a travel lover as well, so you? I'm with okay. you. Uh, and uh, part of the reason why I do uh, internet radio is because that's travel friendly. So I've been able to broadcast from Bali and Germany and all over, all over the place. So um, I like to incorporate that love of travel in, in what I do as well. So you're, got this wonderful initiative with Breast Advocates International. What else are you planning in the future? <laughs> Since I don't see you slowing down anytime soon, even no. though you do tell me that you're in a fifth wheeler traveling across America at the moment, what else have we right. got planned, Sharon? Well, because I'm a life coach, uh, just mm. like your radio show, yeah. I I can do life coaching from anywhere. So yeah. that is... That is something that I will continue to dabble with. Um, Probably my biggest um, 
interest is twofold, is taking women like myself who are maybe getting up there in ears a little bit. Maybe they oh, retire. No, you're a spring chicken, <laughs> Sharon. Stop it. I, I'm 66. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, another 20 years. Exactly. Exactly. But unfortunately, I believe that. But yeah. not everybody my age does. That's true. That's and true. not everybody even over 55 does. And yeah. so I think um, that is one of my target markets is that that woman who really has a lot to offer, but maybe she doesn't know it or doesn't yes. remember it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm, a, I'm a great cheerleader. I'm a great person to encourage her to uh, stretch out her wings and do what God put her on this earth to do. That's, that's one of my goals. And then younger women, um, yeah. I think that are in that, Oh, that age group where maybe they've gotten out of college and they've gotten into their job and then they're disappointed. And it doesn't light them up and they don't know exactly. quite how to find that thing that lights them up. Exactly. Yes, I'm equally passionate with you there, Sharon. I would dearly love to be talking to younger women and encourage them to discover what their passions are and yes. to follow that and not lose sight of that because otherwise uh, like myself you get to your mid 50s and you suddenly find what you're passionate about and yeah. uh, you, you kind of go oh wow I could have been doing this for so much longer yes. you know uh, and it's it, it's important that we start having these conversations with our younger women and yes. our older women who might be have reached that 50 60 age group and thought Oh my goodness, what now? Um, yeah. So many women I talk to are over 60 and are living these big, amazing, brilliant lives and doing wonderful things. So here you are at 66, uh, traveling all over the place and have visions of taking uh, your breast awareness into foreign countries. Now, you know. It, there should be nothing stopping women living what they're passionate about, whatever that might be. And um, well done for you. So if people are interested in your particular type of coaching, Sharon, uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? I've got your email address here. Do you mind if I put that up in the chat box? No, for that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Sharon. Sharon Hennepin at gmail.com is my easiest way to reach me. I'd love to hear from people. Um, definitely. Yeah. And if you have um, the, the cancer, um, like we were talking about in yes, the introduction, yes. um, the, the, I think the book is very helpful. And let me tell yes. you a quick, quick story about the book, because when I, when I was doing the workshops and the retreats with that same name, Thriving Beyond Cancer, uh -huh. I took the, the life coaching kinds of principles yes. with all of the information I understood from my own experience and thousands of other women that I had worked with through Breast Friends. And what came came out to me was I'm really not an author. I mean, I didn't see myself as an author or a writer. 
But at the same but you time, so beautifully shown. Oh, bless your heart! I, and what's funny about that is, at one of my own retreats, I like let it spill that that was one of my goals was to write uh-huh. this book. But I was scared because I I don't really consider myself to be a great writer. And this woman who had written several technical kind of books she said I'll help you and I almost fell off my chair and I'm like what are you serious and she and I took a walk later that day yeah and and she said all books start with excuse the expression a shitty first draft they do and and I'm like I can do that (laughs) exactly and So, you know, that's what's so funny about something that was like such a far reaching thing for me personally, but part of, part of me really did believe that I was the person to write that book. I just wasn't confident enough until she said that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then I'm like, I can do this. Sure. Okay. That's the thing. (laughs) You just have to start to allow those thoughts to sit in your head. So rather than saying, oh, I can't do that or I'd never do that, well, what if I did? What if I just sat down and started writing? What's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen, but you will have started something. And the process of attaching action to those dreams that you have is a powerful thing because once you attach action to something you never know what's going to happen like your story Sharon like you that was just a thought in your head and there you go at a retreat and you have someone who approaches you those are the sorts of things that happen when you attach action to those wonderful thoughts that you have in your head. And nothing that you think or dream or vision is silly or stupid or undoable. If you've been given that thought and if it's entered your head, then that's your dream, your idea, and only you can deliver that. So I can't write a book called um, uh, about breast cancer because I've never had breast cancer. Right. I can talk about it and I can talk to people, but I can't write a book called Thriving Beyond Cancer because I haven't had it. Only someone who has had that experience and everyone's experience is unique and different and the Sharon perspective is one that will reach the people that need to hear it the most. Absolutely. And I just would encourage our listeners, don't ever stop dreaming. Don't ever stop thinking that you can't do things because here I am talking to this amazing woman, Sharon Henneford, um, a 27-year breast cancer survivor, and look what she's doing in what people used to call old age. Well, it's not old (laughs) age, guys. It's just not. I'm just getting started. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this amazing vision of you um, in your fifth wheeler <laughs> traveling all over the countryside yep. talking to people. <laughs> yeah, it's, so uh, it's an interesting journey, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I was just thinking about your, your traveling in the fifth wheeler. So in Australia, we have things called caravan parks. What? Where do you stay when you travel in your fifth wheeler? 
Yeah, there's RV parks here too. Ah. And, and they're specifically for either camping in tents or in trucks yes. or in fifth wheels or in trailers. Yeah, yeah they're all yeah. they're all sorts. So yeah, I and I'm they're excited. all over the they're all over the country and up into Canada as well. So you can yeah. just take your vehicle and just go wherever you the the thought attracts you to go. Wherever you dare to go, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I know at the start of the program we were talking about your fifth wheeler journey and you're in California at the moment and you were headed to Washington, did you say, or up towards uh, Yeah, Canada? Oregon, Oregon, <coughs> yes, excuse me, right. Oregon, Washington and up into Canada is probably where we're going to go at least in the next like 30 days or so. And then we'll head over maybe uh, closer to like Montana. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I, we really honestly only have our first two stops figured out, so we're not sure exactly. A woman <laughs> after my own heart, like just go where the where it uh, directs you to go. And so you, it's summer in America. So how long will you travel for? Have you got any ideas of how long, or that's open for however uh, we, you feel? We're we're leaving like literally tomorrow and we're <laughs> we're gonna be gone for 60 to 90 days fantastic and yeah. then does it start to get cooler and you have to kind of head back towards home um yeah it'll be fall then so yeah. it'll be um a little more temperate and uh california will be a little more comfortable for this oregonian <laughs> <laughs> do you travel in the winter months in your rv uh yes you can absolutely um that's when you go south where it's warmer uh-huh uh-huh uh -huh. Yeah. and you do that as well yes yes we yeah. will be doing that too uh, this is actually a brand new adventure we actually started we moved we sold everything and moved yes. into our rv like last october Yes. And and then we um, we park it in my uh, son-in-law's backyard at this point, yes. Yes. and we were going to do something like in the spring, but obviously that didn't happen because of yeah, coronavirus yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so this is really our first taking it out and doing something yes. for a long time. But yes, you can do it all year long. Yeah, I have friends in Australia who do exactly the same thing with their caravan. So they sold all their property and everything and they just uh, live in their caravan. But they uh, combine that travel portion with uh, looking after people's property. So they go and, oh, and park somewhere for three to six months and look after the property while the property owner's away or, or whatever. And right. then that finishes and then off they go on their next adventure to wherever they want to go so oh, um, mm -hmm. yeah yeah so Australia is is big like the US as well so there's a whole big country to travel over unfortunately for us we don't have the we're an island so it's just Australia whereas for you you can you, you could essentially go up into Canada or, or down across into Mexico and down that way um, can you still do that readily, Sharon? Um, I believe in Canada for sure, um, yes. assuming the border is open. We haven't yes. actually looked into that yet. But yeah. um, Mexico is actually a little more difficult. I was okay. uh, looking at that um, 
um, with my brother actually to maybe because yes. he was interested in going to Panama. But yes. um, I think it that might be a little more challenging to go to Mexico that way. But yeah, because I wondered I, once you got down there if you could continue to keep going and and, and into you know South America or is there a body of water that across there that makes it difficult no you could you could actually go all the way if it was yeah. safe I don't, I don't know that it would be safe honestly that was for, my next question yeah how safe would it be for yeah. Americans yeah 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 okay oh well we have managed to talk just about through the entire show without <laughs> breath which is wonderful <laughs> and so we're down to our last two minutes so before I go Firstly, Sharon, thank you for taking time out of your precious day to talk to me live on Radio Tony about surviving breast cancer and to tell our listeners about your amazing work and your fabulous book. So before we go, listeners, that book that Sharon's written is called Thriving Beyond Cancer, Hope, Understanding and Validation for Cancer Sufferers. I've put the link to Amazon in the chat box. But if you look for Sharon's book or if you just type in Sharon Hennifer book, you will find it because um, when I was quickly doing it, that's exactly the way I found it. If you have any questions for Sharon about her coaching or any of her wonderful work in breast cancer and surviving breast cancer, I have put Sharon's Gmail email address in the chat box. And just for those that are listening, it's Sharon Hennifer. Uh, Hennepin, my correction, uh, at gmail.com. And Sharon, thank you so much for coming on the program today. It's been a real privilege to talk to someone who has accomplished so much and survived so much. I'm wishing you the most fabulous trip wherever that takes you. I hope you enjoy and get out of that uh, Californian heap heat pretty soon. Um, I'm I'm like you, my dear. I much prefer the cold, and I'm loving the um, three degrees Celsius that we've been mornings that we've been having in Australia at the moment. Um, and best of luck with your wonderful initiative, um, Breast Advocates International. Um, I hope that we get to talk again soon. And listeners, thank you very much for tuning in today with Sharon Hennifer, uh, Hennifer. And um, we are out of time. Sharon, thank you so much. Enjoy those travels. And listeners, I'll join you next week for another episode of Radio Tony. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mama.